0: Bing bong, I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by Cole of Coinos. Coinos is a Lightning wallet that's helping onboard merchants all over the globe. So Cole has been traveling around and working with a bunch of merchants and people to onboard them onto Lightning. So we get into his personal Bitcoin journey and uh, his experience orange pilling people around the globe and uh, just kind of talk about Bitcoin. and. He's got some crazy mining stories as well about how he got started. So be sure to tune in for another action-packed episode. So if you're listening to this on audio, hit that subscribe button, uh, give it a five-star review and really, uh, you know, uh, helps out the show, helps the show grow, share with friends and family. And if you haven't checked out my YouTube yet, go ahead to and search Green Candle on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. I'm closing in on 1K subscribers, so anything helps. So uh, I really appreciate all the support and everything like that. And lastly, as always, ladies and gentlemen, this is not financial advice. Everything you hear on this podcast is strictly the opinion of Cole and myself. Now, let's get into the episode. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast where I have Cole, the marketing and customer relations and business development guy for Coinos, which is a Bitcoin web-based wallet that will allow you to uh, transact and send sats back and forth through Lightning. So awesome stuff. We're going to have a great conversation on uh, development, point of sale terminals, the use cases for it, and all that kind of stuff. But first... Big shout out to Pleb Lab, the sponsor. So if you haven't been down to Austin to check out Pleb Lab and you call yourself a Bitcoiner, what the hell are you doing? You got to get down there and check it out. It's the best hacker space in the business. They have a ton of shit going on at all times where they have events, they have, you know, a hackathons, all that kind of stuff. And before BitBlock Boom, if you're going down there August 21st and 22nd, they have a startup day. So they're gonna have uh, pitches going on. They're gonna have panels. I'll be moderating some panels. So come say hi to me and uh, join the fun. So check all that out at pleblab.com. Also, if you plan on going to Bitblock Boom, be sure to use promo code Green Candle. That's all one word, and you get ten percent off. There you go. So I'm helping you out. I'm telling you, get down to Austin and get get to Bitblock Boom. You could check out Pleblab. There's gonna be a ton of events, ton of Bitcoiners in. Uh, the Mecca of Bitcoin, Austin, Texas. All right, enough for me. Let's get Cole up here. Cole, man, how you doing today? I am doing absolutely amazing.
1: Living the Bitcoin lifestyle, hashtag Bitcoin lifestyle. Uh, It's good, it's good. Bitcoin gives you a good life.
0: Yeah, amen, man, amen. So Cole, for those in the audience who don't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you found Bitcoin?
1: Absolutely, yes. I started in Bitcoin in 2015. Um, I learned about it. I got told about it in 2013, but I didn't understand it. So I thought it was a scam. Luckily, Luckily, I got into it in 2015, just as an investor, just a passive investor, buying and holding for a little bit. And then in 2020, sorry, 2017, did all right. Sold a bunch of gains, sold everything I had in 2018 almost. Everything, because I thought it was a scam. I thought it wasn't going to come back. And then uh, went back in heavy in 2020, really heavy, late 2020, early 2021, got really into mining, Uh, did all right with that, sold some machines for profit. That was good as well. And since then, I've just been stacking stats, dollar cost averaging like crazy, dollar cost averaging a lot this year as well. And then I met Adam at a event, a Bitcoin event last year, and we just hit it off. We had the same kind of goal in mind. We're both equally as motivated to make CoinOS a success, but not just CoinOS, but we want a lot of users to understand Bitcoin and learn about the power of Bitcoin and Lightning and why it's different from these other coins, all these altcoins, right? Um, I, I like talking about. I like when other people come to me and say, "Oh, Bitcoin's uh, too old" or, or "this and that." But I, I just smash those uh, comments down pretty, pretty fast. Uh, so me and Adam, we have the same same state of mind in regards to the success of what we want CoinOS to be. And I'm still mining, uh, investing, uh, dollar cost averaging as much as I can. Uh, like every extra penny I have is being dollar cost average. and I can say that literally. I don't know many people that can't say that literally, but for me, it kind of is. (laughs) Yeah. And we just make it as easy as possible for people to use Bitcoin and Lightning and to transact with Bitcoin and Lightning.
0: Yeah, it's great stuff. So tell us a little bit about Coinos, man. I mean, like you, you, you told us a little bit about your journey, you know, you, you kind of got into the mining space, but now you're working on the lightning wallet side of things. So, um, you know, what is Coinos Like what's the overall goal of your company? And uh, yeah, I'll leave it there.
1: So the overall goal is to have as many
0: businesses a trans using
1: our wallet to accept bitcoin and lightning payments it's not just lightning but lightning is preferred for high volume high traffic places such as coffee shops restaurants we have all kinds of businesses like those barber shops that are using us 160 uh, worldwide are using us right now more than 160. but we do still offer the on-chain bitcoin option as well For businesses that have lower volume, but like higher purchases, like there's an exotic car rental company in Miami using us, they would have on-chain transactions more than lightning because they have a lot of people in Miami that want to spend their Bitcoin, but they don't have enough places to spend it. so the vision of CoinOS is just to have as many we we instead of having 160, we want thousands of businesses using us. The best way for us to reach that mark is by getting communities in different countries really stoked, really excited about CoinOS. That's why I've been to multiple countries recently. In the past like six weeks, I've been to five countries. El Salvador, which is Bitcoin Beach, Guatemala, Bitcoin Lake, Costa Rica, Bitcoin Jungle, uh, Miami for the conference, Cancun, Um, and I'm just... Showing the communities there, getting hooked in with the communities there, showing them Bitcoin or showing them CoinOS, seeing if they like it, not trying to get them to get rid of what they currently have, but I want them to have the option of CoinOS and know about it. Um, so, our short term roadmap is that eventually we want tens of thousands of businesses using us, right? We are the cheapest and the easiest Bitcoin Lightning wallet on the market. You can create a wallet in 20 seconds or less, depending how good you are on your phone. Uh, We're going to have a competition at the Bitcoin Rodeo event coming up on July 4th and 5th in Calgary. Uh, We're going to have a competition. We're going to give away hundreds of thousands of free Sats for people who can create a CoinOS wallet in the fastest time
0: possible to make a point how easy it is. So... That's awesome stuff, man. So what is the response been from a lot of vendors? Are you generally going to, you know, you kind of listed off like Bitcoin Beach, obviously, in some places where maybe adoption is a little bit, you know, uh, I guess, further along than, than certain places. Um, what is the response been when you kind of approach vendors? And uh, I guess what's your strategy like when you're kind of going to them? Are you going to vendors that are already kind of accepting Bitcoin? Or are you trying to onboard new vendors? Uh, to to accept Bitcoin completely?
1: That's a really good question.
0: Uh, I would say overall, I've approached,
1: uh, I've talked to hundreds of businesses, uh, like over like 100 to 200 probably, if I was to actually count. The failure rate in general, I would say is like 95% or more, which makes sense, it's a new technology. And a lot of people don't trust Bitcoin as an idea to begin with. A big part of my success with onboarding businesses has been going to businesses that are already on the Bitcoin maps, accepting Bitcoin, but getting them to use our wallet instead. So that's been a pretty good success rate there. The success rate with that one is about uh, maybe 10%, whereas businesses that are not accepting Bitcoin at speed even less than five percent actually <laughs> so uh, I just go to them I have a um, I don't want to say the word script necessarily but I do have some points that I do bring up consistently with different vendors and it does get a, it does get through to people and if any business owner understands what I'm saying they will start accepting payments a lot of them think it's too early they just don't believe in it as a as a whole. So it's, it's like door to door. Uh, like I approach businesses physically and I also do cold calling. So both uh, like in Vancouver, I've approached a lot of businesses. There's still many more to go, uh, but I do a lot of cold
0: calling as well. Yeah. So you, you mentioned this, the the points you like to hit. Well, well, what are they? I mean, you, how can uh, other people kind of do it and and like help you out? Is there a way like maybe a grassroots movement that people could help bring uh, you know, vendors on to coin us?
1: Yeah, yeah, so the biggest points that I bring up is that we give their business free marketing. So any business that is using coin us to accept Bitcoin lightning payments, we post their business on the social medias, on all our social media profiles, and we push it in the telegram groups that we're in as well. And we, in addition to that, we post it on about seven websites. It was like nine websites, but we got it down to like seven websites where there's Google maps, Google Maps style websites, but for Bitcoin businesses. So we post them on all those websites and yeah, promote it heavy in in those ways. Um, So the free marketing is a big one and we let the business owners know that they're gonna get more, most likely, can't guarantee anything, but they'll most likely get more clientele, more business, more customers because they'll have an additional customer base on top of what they already have. And it's free. We don't charge any maintenance fees or anything. And Bitcoin transactions are decentralized, instant, um, it's a great investment. It's a, it will no, most likely perform or it might perform better than every other asset class. I tell myself that it does perform better than every other asset class. I don't know if I want to say that because it's like financial advice, but nothing I say is financial advice, obviously, even though if you listen to me, you might make 10 times more money than a traditional financial advisor, but it's still not financial advice. Right. So, um, yeah, so we, we think that it's the best investment anyone can make. I, I think it might be anyways. Um,
0: yeah, for sure. So I mean, but but I think, you know, a lot of the sell maybe initially might be to tell them that they can accept dollars or, you know, whatever their local currency is. So have you kind of, I guess, found more success when you, you kind of describe, I guess, more so about the, the lightning approach where it's like, hey, like, you know, we have this, you know, uh, essentially this way for you to accept money and, you know, you don't even really bring up Bitcoin or do you bring up Bitcoin initially and kind of go from there?
1: Well, I so the, the opening line usually is uh, depending where I am. Let's uh, say so in, in Yale Town or in Vancouver, I'll say, um, "Hi, how are you doing? Is the manager available?" And then they'll say, "But uh, oh, he's he is, or let's say he is available." Uh, I'll kind ask what it's about. I said, "Yeah, I just want to talk with him about a payment option." So I'll keep it that simple. and then, Or if they ask, oh, what do you mean by that? Then I'll say, uh, I work with a POS company that is cheaper than, well, no, not POS company. But I say, I work with a POS system that is a cheap, that is a very, it's a very good deal. Uh, like those kinds of things. And then they go get the manager. I talk to the manager. I tell the manager about the other businesses that are using us within the area. That's very valuable. Because once you have like three businesses in the same area, it's easier to convince the other ones in that area because they feel better about other people around them using it. And if the manager is not available, then uh, obviously talking to the owner is the best thing. But if the manager is not available i will send them a very professional email telling them i telling them that i stopped by their location send them follow-up emails here and there like one a month or whatever depending on the situation if i have a really good chat with the manager i'll send them more follow-ups than someone i didn't actually talk to
0: um yeah those are some point those are some other some other strategies i have yeah yeah and that's great stuff. So, I mean, uh, but, you know, overall, it's it seems like it's kind of a I don't know, like a, a mixed bag of, of approach of like, you know, you just kind of getting to know the situation. So, you know, when you go and travel to these places, uh, do you kind of tend to, I, gra- I guess, gravitate to, towards certain businesses, maybe like, I don't know, a restaurant, for example, or you just kind of go and hang out in a coffee shop and you just go, you know, hey, this is your routine, right? Every every day you're in. Miami, for example, you go to this coffee shop, you ask to pay in Bitcoin until they, uh, until finally they're like, all right, dude, enough of that. I'll let you do it. We come here every day. So what's kind of the, the approach that way? Because, I mean, you're doing a lot of traveling, man. You're, I mean, we met at, in Toronto at the Canadian Bitcoin Conference. You're going over to Vancouver. You've been all over the place. So yeah, what's the, I guess, overall kind of strategy for getting to know the businesses when you're traveling to these places?
1: Yeah, the, the
0: best strategy is for
1: going to these other countries is getting hooked in with the locals, especially the, the Bitcoiners of the area. So I did that with Guatemala, I did that with El Salvador, Costa Rica a little bit as well. And that's the best way for us to, for them to introduce me to their friends and their friends that like own businesses. And not just them, but other users as well. Other people that would be users of Bitcoin. And that's extremely effective. I'm in contact with every one of them as of right now. Um, I actually have meetings with them booked soon as well. And the first point you mentioned is also very effective though, going to a coffee shop consistently, asking if they accept Bitcoin. And if you are a regular there, then it will have more impact to the owner if you suggest something. Such as, have you decided? Have you thought about accepting Bitcoin? That strategy works very well. Um, I don't. Uh, I haven't been a regular at all the places that have come on board with us. So, it mostly in regards to the amount of businesses that are using us, it would, the majority of that has been cold calling, um, having other communities. Promote CoinOS on their own as well, like in Brazil, they're, they're promoting CoinOS to all of their friends within the towns that they are living in, like Rolante, Rio in Rio Grande do Sul in Brazil. So that's an example for having explosive growth. I call it is uh, having other communities motivated enough to promote it to all of their friends and within their community. Um, yeah, getting hooked in with the with the locals, getting hooked in with the the Bitcoiners of the area, definitely. And also door knocking,
0: like door knocking
1: with the businesses and the busy areas as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you got to kind of ingrain yourself into, you know, you got to get a source of trust, right? I mean, obviously, Bitcoin's like the mantra is don't trust, verify. But, you know, there's also a sort of, you know, a sense of trust that you need to have in order to orange pill somebody, especially a business owner, because business owners probably get approached with, you know, crazy things all the time. And so because of that, you know, they're, they're probably skeptical at first, unless they're a Bitcoiner, of course, or they have, you know, the Bitcoin meetups going to these places or other things like that. So, you know, it sounds like a great strategy to kind of, kind of go through there and kind of, I guess, ingrain yourself almost in the community too. And then, you know, down the line, hey, uh, Bitcoin meetup in wherever, Bitcoin uh, Beach, Bitcoin Lake, uh, they're going to this business. Uh, you know, when they think about onboarding this business, they're going to think of Coinos first, right, and, instead of uh, instead of some, some other guy. So, um, you know, overall, it just seems like a, a sound strategy in my eyes. So, you know, you know I, I applaud you for doing that. But, um, you know what, I got a question because in the U.S., you know, it seems like people are very, very cautious or almost stringent with uh, spending their Bitcoin. They don't want to give it up, basically, or anything like that. So, you know, obviously, Strike has the, the ability in some of these others where you could, you know, have fiat in your wallet and it sends over the Lightning Network. Now, is that possible with Coinos or is it more so just kind of, uh, I guess, paying with Bitcoin and then the other side can, you know, uh, receive Bitcoin or it can receive fiat? Like, how does uh, what's the back end look like?
1: that's a really good question um we are looking to integrate fiat options within coinos soon we are talking to the right people for it we're talking to kyc multiple kyc companies we're talking to liquidity providers we do we are talking to the right people we know the right people we're grateful for all of that and um yeah so the answer is yes we can integrate it the reason we don't right now uh we we like the fact that we're non-kyc So as soon as we integrate the fiat, we're going to have to be KYC. The short-term roadmap that we have is we're going to have maybe KYC as an option. We most likely will not make it mandatory because a lot of the community, uh, including myself, we're very, we like non-KYC. So that's what comes with us. Like you look at Bitcoin Beach Wallet and Bitcoin Beach Wallet is not very decentralized. It's actually centralized. Um, because it's linked, at least the locals were telling me it's linked to the government Chivo wallet, and this is what some of the locals were telling me as a concern. These are like the Bitcoiner locals that have grew up in, in El Salvador. They're, they're the ones telling me that they don't really like the Bitcoin Beach Wallet because of those reasons. Um, Bitcoin Beach Wallet has some good ideas though, like stable sats is an interesting idea, but stable sats is not actually Bitcoin, right? Stable sats can have issues like when they open up yeah anyways that's a different conversation but um we at coin us we, we prefer that bitcoin or lightning only stance non-kyc for now but we the reason why we will integrate the reason why we're thinking of integrating fiat systems eventually uh, a fiat option eventually is to increase adoption
0: yeah, and I, and I mean, I get it too, right? I mean, the, the fiat and kind of that aspect of things requires OIC. I see. I mean, that's just kind of plain and simple. So it's a give and take with what you want, right? I mean, and I, I think that providing that option for the consumer probably, you know, in my eyes is like always the best course of action is just giving the consumer options and then they'll go to wherever they they prefer. So, I mean, overall, I mean, if you guys can do that successfully. I mean, the, I mean we're seeing it right now, right? Uh, some issues with, um, you know, some custodians right now, especially in the United States, right? I mean, with Prime Trust, um, we both had Swan and Strike, two, you know, great Bitcoin companies, but they had to, you know, in order, uh, they had to custodians of Bitcoin with Prime Trust. Uh, they, you know, coincidentally got out a couple couple months ago, but uh, now Prime Trust is falling apart. So it seems like, you know, partnering with some of these banks in some of these situations, it might be difficult and, you know, it leaves you up for some more, you know, I guess variable, kind of potential hazards or or things like that. So is this something you guys are keeping a pretty close eye on when you're looking at, you know, maybe uh, deciding on, and to integrate fiat or not is, you know, kind of what's going on there and like, you know, potentially that the, I guess the counterparty risk that you would run into when partnering with, with some sort of bank somewhere. Yeah. So we are, uh, it is very difficult to have a bank, uh, partner with you as a,
1: as a Bitcoin company or any crypto company, but we don't, uh, we're not actually worried about that though, um, because we are already talking to the right uh, KYC and liquidity provided uh, people. Um, so we're not, we were a little bit concerned about that before, but we're not as concerned about it now. Um, but we are, but you're absolutely right. We are keeping a close eye on it. We have to. Um, I keep a very close eye on the macroeconomics. I teach people about macroeconomics all the time. I don't have a paid course or anything like that, but I know a lot about the macroeconomics. Well, I mean, I I know a little bit about the macroeconomics. Enough. I don't want to put myself too high up, right? I I know some macro experts that that know a ton. I know a little bit. I know enough to keep people safe, uh, in my opinion. Anyways, so we do follow the macro intently the U S and the Canadian. Um, yeah. The U S news we follow a lot as well. Cause that drives the world. At least right now, it might not in the near future, but it does right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we never know. Right. I mean, it, it's the macro is, it's always interesting. There's always something going on, especially in the U S right. I mean, with the hiking of interest rates now we have the fed chair saying there's maybe room for multiple um, you know, multiple uh, global reserve currencies. We got, you know, them saying that there's the inflation's transitory while well, inflation's now sticky. And, you know, I, I mean, it's just a it's a it's a show at this point. Right. I mean, it, it's hard not to tune in, especially in the Bitcoin space. Um, but, you know, it does bring volatility when it kind of comes to outside fiat currencies, um, outside of the dollar, in a sense. Right. I mean, the dollar has the, has the buying power and kind of has the strength. So, you know, because of that, do you think that it kind of uh, I guess it resonates with, you know, when you're traveling to some of these other countries, maybe like that, you know, Mexico or somewhere else, like you're seeing that, you know, I mean, I was just in Toronto and from my understanding, it seems like, you know, Canadians are used to the dollar being a little bit less than the the loonie or the toonie or whatever you guys got up there. Um, but it seemed like, you know, the, the dollar strength there, uh, you know, essentially it was stronger than, than, it, than it normally was. So, um, you know, are you kind of seeing that maybe it's an easier conversation to onboard you know, now than it was maybe a a couple years ago because of, you know, the strength of the dollar and kind of what's going on in the overall macro? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: I think it's way easier now than it was two years ago. Absolutely. Um, Because with all these bank failures happening, that's good news for Bitcoin. Bitcoin goes up every time. Like this is just based on the, the history that everybody has seen, at least I've seen. When bank failures happen, Bitcoin goes up. You know, because a lot of these multi billionaires, a lot of the investors, and when, when they get bailed out, they're starting to understand that it's safer to have money in Bitcoin than a bank. So, you know, what makes the price of Bitcoin go up? It's, it's people buying it like like any asset, gold, stocks, anything, right? And so the reason why Bitcoin goes up, like like I mentioned, people are starting to be awake to the value of it. It's the only decentralized currency on, on the planet uh that i know of really i mean mean, cash is actually a little bit is a little bit decentralized depending how you look at it with what time frame but cash is going down in value only so it's centralized in that way but in regards to tracking your money uh cash is is decentralized in, in a way but bitcoin is 10 times better because bitcoin's price is not manipulated in the same way as cash is right so um, way easier to onboard people now with Bitcoin than before because the, of the bank failures. So I have multiple graphs, multiple graphs to show people the size of the bank failures and what that's doing to the market, like macro graphs. And the macro graphs I have are very easy to understand. Uh, they don't take a professional to interpret it. So that's, those are the kinds of graphs that I show people, like in my group chat. So I have my own group chat, right? So I show people tons of macro stuff with ease. Numbers
0: yeah yeah i mean and the macro like i mean i don't think it's really hard to understand right when you like show them like hey like over 40 percent of the current money supply of dollars uh you know is printed in the past two three years so i mean it's to me it's it's just kind of obvious right it's like people are wondering hey why is all this inflation going on you know not only just in the united states but globally it's like, well, if you have the global reserve currency and you just dump a bunch of, uh, you know, money into it, and then you shut off money for months at a time, you know, it it just makes sense. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't like I, it. Doesn't take a genius to kind of, uh, you know, think and, and think about that. But it seems like, you know, when people think about the macro, they think it's a lot more complicated than it really is, right? I mean, simple, you know, supply and demand. It's really not nothing too crazy, right? So um but it is also a system that everybody's been kind of raised on right at this point like business owners have kind of gone through it right i mean you know what 1971 was like 52 years ago at this point now so i mean that's when we all went off the gold standard and uh you know many, many people who are running businesses uh, or running businesses then are either not alive now or they're they're retired and kind of getting out of that so most people have been raised in this fiat system so when you kind of describe, you know, the Bitcoin related system to two people, kind of the hard money principles, what is something that I guess resonates with them? Is it something where, you know, maybe it's not the, the government's control or is it more so like, uh, you know, it may be the hard money and like the 21 million cap that kind of more resonates?
1: Uh, so what resonates with them is uh, so the 21 million cap is a very big point, that's right. Also the fact that no, one controls Bitcoin. Like no one, there's no CEO. And I always let people know that the way code works, at least with the Bitcoin code, is that it's immutable. It can't be changed. Um, that also, and when I tell people in point form, without going into too much detail, that the code of Bitcoin is very safe. You can't have. A, I mean, you can't. Nothing's impossible, right? Nothing's impossible. But, but it. You know, common sense pretty much says that Bitcoin's code itself cannot really be hacked. Um, and it's like that now, partly because the hash rate of Bitcoin is at all-time highs. It's hitting new all-time highs this past couple of years, multiple, like making new highs, highs, highs. And some people say, oh, hash rate doesn't, doesn't make it safer. Uh, actually, it does. It, it does make it safer. And the one of the big reasons it makes it safer is because the higher your hash rate is for a blockchain, the harder it is to get fifty-one percent attacked. In, in, in simple words, get hacked, right? In that way. Um, so I, I tell I don't I don't go into too much detail, but I tell people the Bitcoin code is virtually unhackable, um, and there's no CEO like all these other coins and companies with teams of, of whales that manipulate the price and stuff like Ethereum, um, and uh, yeah, that the twenty-one million. It's, oh, the price appreciation over the past 10 years has outperformed every asset class in the history of mankind. Uh, That's a good one. Um, I always compare, I like to compare Bitcoin to real estate, right? Like people think real estate is the best investment ever. I mean, just look at the numbers, right? Or gold. Like when I compare Bitcoin to gold, even if the person I'm talking to is not a gold investor, the points that I bring up are still it it resonates with 100%. You can read the body language of people too. And and yeah, like it resonates when you compare Bitcoin to real estate and gold, which are well-known investments with everybody. So when you tie in Bitcoin to well-known information and investments that people know, that's what gets them to like turn their head and be like, oh, wow, oh, huh. Uh, Actually one of the biggest points is, is uh, comparing Bitcoin's growth to the trillion dollar market cap compared to the Fang stocks. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Bitcoin beat every single one of them. It made it to a trillion dollar market cap faster than every one of those. That's a big point that makes people's heads turn as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, people just kind of see—they see the money, right? Then they see the incentives, right? So I mean, it's like like we all kind of say, right? We we come for the uh, like number go up, and then we stay for the hard money principles. So, but I I don't want to get back to. You. I like I like that I, I like
1: that yeah. And that's that that's in a nutshell. That's me, right? Yeah. That's, that's really well said. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, hey, I mean, I mean, I might I might be doing this every now and then. You know what I'm saying? But. I I want to take a dive back into you, though, because, you know, I think it is kind of interesting that you've moved from, you kind of described, like, the mining aspect of your career, right? That's kind of how you got into it, Um, and now you're into Lightning Wallet, so, you know, I guess you said you're still mining, so why the transition away, or, um, you know, why kind of, uh, yeah, I guess, moving this direction opposed to, you know, maybe something in the mining space?
1: So, I'm still mining actively. I didn't let go of it, but the reason why I'm not uh, as much into mining as I was like a year and a half ago is because the profits are way lower. The electricity goes up, profits are lower. Uh, but I did just buy a new machine uh, a couple of days ago. I'm really excited about it. S-19 series. Of course, no one should be buying anything less than it. Well, I shouldn't tell people what to do, but if you want to make profits with Bitcoin mining, you can't be getting, uh, any machine less than the S-19. If you want to make profits and a good ROI. Um, so the fact that I'm working with a lightning wallet, it's not mining based because lightning is not on the blockchain. Um, so, but I'm still doing both. And I still believe in both. I think it's important that if someone's going to be a passionate Bitcoiner, they should be, um, really contributing to Bitcoin as a miner or node provider or something. I, I think that's important. That's I wouldn't go as far to say that's like a duty that people should do. But if you want to call yourself a really passionate uh, Bitcoin enthusiast, you should be running a node or, or a miner for sure. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah so kind of in, my, you- in, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you too. I mean, but it is kind of interesting because it seems like you know, generally speaking, from what I understand or from what, from the people that I talk to, their journey either involves like starting with, I don't know, they were in some sort of energy field and that's kind of how they got into mining or, you know, they were in something and they got curious and then they just bought. Um, but there's kind of like, you know, there there's not too many people that just kind of jumped into mining. So what about mining that kind of appealed to you? And uh why did you kind of I guess start there for your Bitcoin journey? Right, because of the passive income.
1: Why did I jump into that? I did you're right. I jumped into that uh quicker than most other ventures because um, it's a passive income. It gave consistent passive income without be lifting like without me lifting a finger to get the income. So that's what made me uh, really appreciate it and value it more.
0: Yeah, no, I, I understand that too. And it, and it is, but it is unique, right? I mean, it, because, you know, like you kind of said, you know, right now, like mining isn't that profitable of a venture, but it seems like lightning is pretty prevalent in Canada, right? I mean, people use it for space heaters. Um, there's a lot of, you know, innovation when it comes to using alternative energy sources when it comes to mining. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, because of even though it was passive, you know, did you kind of, I guess, crunch the numbers prior or what like, you know, I, I guess, did you just kind of plug and play and then just decide to figure it out later? Like, how is that kind of, uh, I, I guess, approach? Can you hear me? Can
1: you hear me? Scroll. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, sorry. Okay. okay. Just, just about about fifteen seconds. Yeah. Alright. Like, like no, no. I mean fifteen seconds. Oh, okay. I thought you said you
0: needed 15 seconds. Uh, Yeah, but I was basically, I was saying like, you know, I know you're up in Canada. A lot of people use like space, Bitcoin miners for space heaters, other things like that. There's a lot of innovation when it comes to, you know, just overall, you know, energy usage, whether it's hydro, you know, a lot of alternative energy uses in Canada when it comes to mining. So, you know, for you, it seems like you just kind of like plugged and played. And uh, went from there. Um, did you crunch any numbers before, or what? Like, what was the like? I guess overall thought, or did you just kind of, uh, you know, do a little research on Bitcoin and realize like, hey, this is a a way to do it, get non KYC, and that's kind of your how you wanted to go about it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I did some research. Started following some YouTubers who are
0: really, really into mining, and
1: I was learning from them. I did a lot of research into the profits, I found multiple different websites to compare the profits of each mining machine, and that's basically, uh, I, I it made sense to me at the time, and I didn't, yeah, made sense to me at the time to get into it, and then I was like, oh, wow, well, if I get 10 machines, then I'll make more than just two machines, uh, then I, I bought into a bunch of different ones,
0: yeah. What was it? What was the conversation like with your energy provider? Did, did you get any uh did you raise any eyebrows when you were oh, like or what? I have I have a horror story, man, about, about that. Yeah, that's like it, I was, yeah, I was in
1: calvin for a little bit. And uh, the, the energy provider there at, at max, um they were giving me estimated readings on my meter or on my electric, electricity meter for like a year. So I thought that I was getting I thought I wasn't using that much electricity for a year, but their estimated readings were so raw and so far off from what the actual reading is. I get stuck with this bill for thousands of dollars in December, just before Christmas time, thousands of dollars that I had to pay because their estimated reading was so different from the actual energy usage I was reading. So annoying. So I ended up talking to a lawyer about it, seeing if I could get out of it, but I wasn't able to because in the terms of agreements, they say they do not take responsibility for an estimated reading being inaccurate. It's, it's absolutely like, ridiculous. So I had a, that was a, a bad story I had with that. I also had my, my miners set up in a commercial space, got into a big argument with the owners of that space as well. But you live, you learn right now. Everything's good with my mining setups, but you live, you learn. And I did have a, uh, yeah, yeah, I had some run-ins with the electrical companies. Yes. Yeah,
0: I yeah. I, I can imagine so. I What's can that? imagine so, right? I mean, you you probably got a. They probably came and cracked the whip because it seems like that's what a lot of electrical companies do, right? I mean, they they don't want to send people out and go check every single meter. I'm sure you know, especially in the winter time in Canada, it's. It's not a lot of fun to go in there and like check everybody's back of house or whatever, wherever they are, um, you know, to, to get those energy readings. So, you know, I can't even imagine that the guys. you definitely put them to the test with, with all that. Right. They're like, hey, it's usually, I don't know, X amount. And then you probably had them at three or four times. And I
1: was, I, I was using all the electricity that my condo would allow, like almost like 95 percent of work. Like, that's how much electricity I was using in my apartment with mining machines. The only other electricity I had was, like, a toaster and my, like, my choice, right? A toaster and then my heated water, I had like, the water bottle, like, the water thing that you plug in the wall and it heats up your water for you. And uh, that would set the breaker off. So that's what my limit was with electricity. I used everything. Yeah. yeah, rewired my dishwasher, like I unplugged my dishwasher, and then plugged a miner into my dishwasher, uh, receptacle, my oven, unplugged my oven, and then plugged multiple miners into my oven receptacle. But you have to get a professional electrician to do that for you. You can't be doing that on your own. So Yeah.
0: So how did Perhaps. you get away with that? What are you? Are you a, a just a closet professional electrician or what, man? Like, did did you just like get you? You're like a you seem like a jack of all trades here, man. You're you're like helping uh you know push this lightning wallet. You're an electrician on the side, just rewiring your condo. Like what? What do you? What do you do, man?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't actually do like the rewiring myself, but I, but I told the, I did a lot of research, and I told the electrician what I wanted, and he was able to execute what I wanted within the electrical limits that the city of Calgary would allow. Uh, so that was kind of how it was. A lot of research, though, a lot of trial and error. I had, I had receptacles melt on me. I had plugs that I would put in the wall that would melt out of the wall because I messed stuff up. Um, I've had uh, yeah, I had the multiple electrical devices that I plugged into a two hundred and forty volt outlet, and the motor the motor of the electrical device would start smoking and melting from the inside out. no fires or anything, but because the the way that the electrical rates work is they won't let you go farther than your limit, but you need to understand that you can't plug in a hundred and ten volt machine into a two hundred and forty volt outlet, right so and uh, yeah. Uh, So I've had a lot of trial and error, and I look back and I laugh at it because it's funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's part of the journey, right? I mean, it's like, I I don't know. It's, It's funny where Bitcoin takes you, right? I mean... You, you, like i said you're you're kind of like helping out a lightning wallet so i'm sure you're learning a little bit more about you know the chains and everything like that the lightning development all that kind of stuff i mm-hmm. then you also had to be an electrician on the side over here when uh and figure out the the ins and outs of miners that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. did you try anything like i guess to to prevent your miners from breaking down did you do any like immersion kind of techniques or like I don't know. Did you just have the AC going full blast too, or or during the winter time did you just open the windows and just let the uh, let the cold air in Canada cool off the machines? Like, had, did you do anything where you kind of workshopped it to try to make sure that your machines would last a little longer?
1: Absolutely, I did. Yep, yeah, yeah. I put I bought multiple fans, like the big fans that are about three feet off the ground. You can only really buy those on like online. It was hard for me to find them in stores. So they're high RPM machine fans, but they make a noise like boom, like when they're going. So I bought a bunch of those aimed right at some of my machines because in the summertime, they needed that. If they, if in the summertime, if I didn't have those extra fans, then they would overheat and they would shut off. A lot of the new miners that they make today have those features based on my own experience, seeing them, they shut themselves off when they get too hot. So, um, so that is uh, a preventive measure. The fans and AC. No, no, didn't really need to mess with the AC too much. Uh, but I would aim them outside. I would have, like, like you mentioned, like I would have my sliding door open, and I would have the, all the machines aiming because they blow air one way. They suck air in from the rear, blow it out front, and it's high RPM fans on the miners, and I'd have them blowing out. I, I would even have them sitting on a tilt up, like I'd have them sit on a a tilt up platform so they'd blow up and out into the out the window instead of them aiming straight uh because then there's a little bit of wind drag on the the step outside so i had them aiming like that like yeah
0: Man. So you so you had, you went through the ringer, man. You, you, you said you the trial and error. So, I mean, how long, you said you, tw- 2015, right? So you've been mining for like eight ish years or so. No,
1: actually, no, I've only been mining since around 2021.
0: Okay. Early like, like January
1: 2nd, 2021.
0: Yeah. Man, so, so you've been just doing all this stuff in like the past two years, huh? <laughs> oh
1: yeah. I know because I, I quit my day job. I was in construction management for a long time. Like uh, I was a, a superintendent for tower construction, for residential towers. Uh, So that was very, very good. I'm grateful for that whole experience. My relationship with my employers is excellent. They're calling me back, trying to get me to come back to work, which I understand because the labor shortage is a very real problem in Canada. I don't know what it's like today, but it was really, really bad the past like five, six years. Right, We were always struggling to get guys. So um, I was doing that up until around spring. Was it spring? Uh, 2021, March, April, May ish around that area. And I transitioned out of the construction uh, management industry. And that's what gave me all this free time for the rest of the year to study this full time. So that's how I was able to learn so much in such a short time is because I had the time to learn and I had a lot of money saved up and stuff like that. Right. So I was able to support myself, buy a lot of machines, have passive income
0: to survive on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it sounds like you just like yeah. When you saw it, you just went all in, and I love it, man. I love it. So, but for coin, let's go back to Coinos for r- real quick before I let you go. Um, so, what do you see as like the future? Like, what is the goal of Coinos for the next like? Uh, I guess what is it? It's j- it's almost the end of June here, so the next like six months at the end of the year. What is the goal for you guys? Like, where are you guys trying to uh, expand to and uh, bring more? I-, I guess more Lightning wallets to
1: so the our short-term goal is to just bring uh, we want to have tens of thousands of let's say by the end of the year we want over a thousand businesses using us which uh, like even two thousand three thousand which is very realistic at the rate that we're going and we just want to make our platform uh, as easy as possible for anyone to get started with bitcoin and there is things that we're tweaking as the days go on. We want the users and the businesses to not hesitate to tell us about any issues they might find or improvements they might find. We have a very passionate community here in Vancouver, not just in Vancouver, but we have these really passionate communities around the world that message us in our Telegram group chat and also by email. Uh, We have a CoinOffs Telegram group chat with hundreds of people. And they give us suggestions. Hey, guys, we think this should happen. And then me and Adam will talk about it. We have a lot of our improvement proposals on our GitHub. And our GitHub links are on our homepage. Well, it's at the the button to get to our GitHub is at the bottom of our homepage. So that's where people can put in improvement proposals. That's what's cool about GitHub. So we have everything on one list. And goal is to just be be adopted by more and more businesses different a variety we want to have a a big variety of businesses too we already have a pretty good variety but we want much more right than what we have still. even though we have a decent variety
0: yeah for sure but you you didn't you you failed to mention about uh you know francis you you told me a little bit pre-show so yeah tell us about the story between the connection between francis from bull bitcoin and coinos
1: Oh, absolutely. So, Francis, the CEO of Bull Bitcoin, um, he likes CoinOS. He's a fan of CoinOS. He was using CoinOS back in 2014, and he was using it for a while for his own storefronts and stuff like that. And he even showed me the code, his code on GitHub, and he was forking. He actually forked uh, his own version of CoinOS because CoinOS is open source. We are very transparent that way, right? We don't hide things like that. So Francis was was bullish on Coinos, and then obviously, uh, I don't think he uses Coinos that much anymore because he has full Bitcoin. He's got his hands full with that. But that's the that's as far as I know about the connection there we have with him. I met I was talking with Francis at the Toronto Bitcoin conference, and it was uh, a really good experience. Good to get to know him a little bit, and uh, yeah, it was great. I bought a couple of Bull Bitcoin shirts. I think their branding is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, for sure, and they're doing great stuff. Yeah, I mean the the non KYC options in in Canada definitely seem pretty prime, and uh, bull bitcoins a, a big big reason for, because of that. So, awesome stuff. But Cole, I don't want to take too much of your too much more of your time, so I really appreciate you coming on here uh, and, and squeezing me in and get, getting an interview in. So uh, why don't you tell people what you got going on for the rest of the year and where they could find out more about Coinos?
1: That's great. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so our link. our our website is just coinos.io that's c-o-i-n-o-s c-o-i-n-o-s dot i-o and our link hub is our link tree so it's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash coinos dot i-o that would bring you to our link hub with everything all our social medias and everything On one page. But our homepage is just coinos.io. We also have a bounty program where we are awarding people in Vancouver a million sats if they onboard one of the types of businesses on our list of businesses that qualify for the bounty program. So we're we're working on that a lot. We're promoting that. A couple people in the community in in Vancouver are really working towards that. And uh, that's a big thing. I mean, which is coinos.io slash bounties. Um, and yeah, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just only looking to grow more and more and more. We're on yeah. Noster as well. Our Noster pub key is on our bio on our Twitter. Our awesome. favorite place to communicate and interact with people is Twitter, but all of our social media profiles are helping still.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes as well. So everybody go check out Coinos go give go give them a follow and give Cole a shout and uh whoever wins the bounty in Vancouver feel free to just send me some of those sats i mean geez, man i i, I I'll, I'll get the word out but it, i i need a little kickback here man i i i need some some of these cheap sats huh <laughs> Cole thanks so much man we'll have to have you back on uh maybe at some point when you when you guys are uh you know maybe all over the country all over the globe thanks so much man
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful for your time. Thank you so much.